Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. I need to apologize in advance. This is like a pre-pre-intro because I didn't give Coach Sheridan his due when we introduced him for this podcast. He's coached high school basketball in Ohio and Indiana for 27 years. He's recently retired and man, he's done a great job of serving other coaches, giving them resources and has a ton of basketball experience through his decades of coaching the game. And so in this interview, we really talk about how he goes about creating his practice plans. That has a lot to do with what point in the season it is. And then just as importantly, how he goes about evaluating those practice plans, not just with himself, but among his coaching staff to better give him an idea of what they need to cover moving forward throughout the course of the season. Listen, we always talk to our players about improving. This is that time of year that as coaches, we need to improve as well. And I'm sure you'll find that in this episode. Appreciate Coach Sheridan for taking the time to be on the show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited for this episode as we dig into practice planning, uh, specifically practice planning and the evaluation process that goes along with it. This is a good one. Uh, I'm here with Derek Sheridan, man, from a Northwest Ohio guy. Man, I got a lot of love for, for Northwest Ohio. Northwest Ohio has been very good to me over the years. Uh, Coach, this is going to be a great topic. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit of your background, some of your coaching experiences, and uh, then I'm going to start peppering you with some with some really good questions on how you go about your practice planning and evaluating with your coaches. Sure. I grew up in uh, northern Indiana. Um, I attended Eastern Greentown High School and was very lucky. Um, I grew up in a community that valued athletics, uh, primarily basketball, and uh, my my mom's dad had been the basketball coach at Eastern Greentown and uh, finished his career as uh, the Dean of Students. Uh, my father uh, taught um, industrial arts then ended up as a uh, uh, problem solving teacher after the state of Indiana shut down the industrial arts wings in high schools and was also a head football coach. Um, so I'd been around athletics and coaches my entire life. Uh, had a had a really good high school experience at Eastern Greentown. I uh, got to play in a great league, uh, a league where we had state champions. Uh, we never won a state championship, but when I played, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, there was no class basketball in Indiana. So uh, Coach K, Coach Keesling, um, who's a Hall of Famer who I was fortunate enough to play for, his mantra was kind of like, uh, you know, anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I mean, we, he would drive, we would drive down to Indianapolis. I remember we played uh, Hamilton Heights. We played Indianapolis Westfield and, um, you know, we didn't back down from anybody. And, you know, when I played, uh, our sectional was held at a high school that graduated around a thousand kids a class. And uh, my senior year, uh, Kokomo beat us. It was either in the sectional finals or the semifinals. I can't remember. Um, I think they beat us by 15, but uh, from, from high school, then I went to one year junior college and had a great experience. Got to play for a, another Hall of Fame coach. And 
from there, I ended up at Huntington College in Northeast Indiana and met my wife there and finished my playing career and got to again play for another Hall of Fame coach where the, the gym's now named after Coach Platt, who we just lost um, last year. He, he passed away um, from cancer. But uh, so, yeah, basketball has been been a really basketball has been good to my wife and I. Um, we've chased a basketball around two different states. I, I, I was a head coach in both Indiana and, and in Ohio. I just retired two years ago um, here in Ohio. So we, we've had great experiences. Um, we, we've been able to teach and coach. My wife's not a coach, but she's a teacher in everything from, um, you know, college prep schools to Catholic schools, to Protestant schools, to um, rural schools to suburbia to hard inner city so there's really nothing we haven't faced in regards to teaching and coaching through uh through chasing a basketball around so we've got been very fortunate you know we've been able to meet a lot of people through the game of basketball and i've had some fantastic coaching staffs who we're still close friends with and um very close with a lot of my ex-players so you know, it, it's been a good ride for us so far. And I mean, 27, you know, years, give or take of coaching experience, as you mentioned, yeah. around the state, uh, you show some love to your wife. She, I mean, you know, being being married to a coach, I think might be even more challenging than being a coach. Sometimes you got to, I mean, it's it's two ways. And, and that's uh, just, I'll, I can relate to that a, a ton, which right. is, which is really awesome. Yeah, um, Stephanie's uh Stephanie grew up in a, in a family who, uh, who liked athletics. Uh, um, so, you know, she, she's been fantastic. Uh, you know, we've moved a lot, uh, through, through our coaching ladder and careers and she's been great. Um, you know, I, I really couldn't ask for a, for a better coach's wife. And I think, uh, her mom and dad who, who have recently passed were very supportive and then my mom was a coach's uh, wife and, and a daughter of a basketball coach. So, um, you know, it's definitely it, a team effort. That's, uh, it, it, that's sure for is. sure. <laughs> it, take, it takes a special woman to, um, I don't want to say play second fiddle, but it takes a special woman to, to accept the fact that her husband is going to spend an inordinate amount of time on a game. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and likewise, I know, um, you know, friend of mine. He's, you know, his, his wife is a is a is a coach, super busy, super busy, and he he you know supports her and helps out with the with the kids however he can. I mean, it's you know when 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 somebody's in coaching, it's a it's a family commitment. That's uh that's for sure. And coach, you you've provided some really great resources. I had a chance to purchase a few resources. You show, showed me a handful of things that you've been working on and how you help other coaches, which is what we're trying to do with this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're trying, I mean, it's called the coach's edge because we want to give coaches the edge, right? We want to give them an advantage. And that's something that you're doing um, by really not just your, your coaching, but everything that you've done as far as sharing the game. And you're doing that in a handful of ways. And one thing that you sent over to me that I was glued to immediately. And I know a lot of coaches are interested in how other people run their practices, how they evaluate those practices. What are the things that they're looking for? Not just as a head coach, but how can we relay some of those tasks and 
evaluation pieces of what other people are seeing from the assistant standpoint and kind of putting that all together so that things are more efficient. They're clearly communicated. So now we can all be better in a, generally a faster amount of time. So I'll ask you this first, when you're thinking of designing a practice plan for your team, what are some of the main pieces that you have to have? You know, it's like putting a puzzle together. Um, practice playing for me almost became a hobby. Um, I, I don't ever remember creating a practice plan that wasn't revised several times. Um, you know, you've got to look at individual um, skill development. You have to incorporate a lot of time for shooting the basketball. You've got to incorporate time for uh, individual defensive work. You've got to incorporate time for, you know, not only just team offense, but team defense and then uh, a review session for what you've worked on recently. And, and you also, especially now, you know, versus when I first started coaching, you have to allocate, in my opinion, you have to allocate time for the kids to play because kids don't inherently go to the park and just play pickup games or at least go and play basketball unsupervised where the games mean something in regards to, um, you know, if you don't win, you're, you might be sitting out for 20, 25, 30 minutes and, and having to watch other people play until you can get the court again. And that's how I grew up. Um, so we found maybe at, uh, you know, maybe around 2000 and, and, to 2005, somewhere around there, that we've got to start incorporating more time um, to scrimmage in practice because the kids the kids don't go out and play in the summer unless it's structured and supervised the way they used to. So you've got a lot of moving parts, and, and every team's different. Um, some teams pick up things faster than other teams do, and uh, hence the 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 post practice evaluation. Uh, rubric that we used but you know by and large it all boiled down to did we get better what do we got what do we have to do to get better for tomorrow and you know you've also got taken the fact uh i think something that's really important is who doesn't who didn't pick up what we taught today and how can we get them to catch up without making them feel uh inferior but what mode or what methods can we, you know, uh, employ tomorrow to get those guys caught up? So if you had, let's say, a, a two-hour basketball practice mm -hmm. as an example, you know, how would you, if I, we call them buckets, you know, buckets for different areas, whether that's offense, uh -huh. defense, individual versus team concepts, warm-up, gameplay, you mentioned, you know, that's super interesting. I mean, we live in such a – a strange time in the sense that we have AAU, which is extremely right. organized, right? It's this style of play where everything is, you have the coach, you have the officials, you got the air conditioned gym, do you have all, all these things? It, so we have all this playing on that side, but we've lost some of that. You know, I grew up playing three on threes and Gus Mackers and Red, uh, Red Hackers and things of that nature, right? Where you're, you're out on the, you know, hot, getting bloody on falling down, getting tripped on the, the asphalt. Uh, so we've, we've lost some of that where it's not so closely monitored. You don't have, have a coach. And so to be able to find that balance as a coach has to be 
uh, a great challenge, which I love that you touched on that. Cause I'm sure every coach in the country that's listened to this is like, yeah, we have to kind of evaluate each year, probably how much our guys are actually playing throughout the course of, of the off season. What would a normal practice look like if you had to break down some of those timeframes into those different buckets? Uh, we broke practice down into three categories. Um, we broke practice sessions down into what we called early season, which I know a lot of people call the scrimmage season where you have your five in, in the state of Ohio, your five uh, OHSA allocated scrimmages. And, you know, I know a lot of people call it, you know, tryouts, uh, your phase of your season and then uh, mid season. And then um, what we, you know, postseason which was more towards the end of the year as, as you have to start focusing some time on your sectional draw because you know who you're going to play, what seed you are and where you're going and whatnot. So our early season uh, practice, and we had three different practice plans. Um, they were completely designed, designed differently to accommodate each mode of the, or each part of the season that, you know, how we uh, divided it up. But, Early season, it's a matter of finding out what they know, what they don't know. Do you have new kids who can play? Do you have new kids who are going to help you but don't know your system? You know, and you factor all those things into, uh, into the equation, and then you start dicing things up. We have to spend this amount of time on defense. Do you have two or three new kids maybe who have moved in, whatever, you know. Uh, when, I co when I coached in the inner city, that was always a big factor because we had a, a lot of transiency uh, in those areas. Um, you know, if, if you've got returners with no new kids, then you can expedite things and, and get humming along and, and work on the things that you'd, uh, you know, pinpointed or put in during the, your 10 contact days during the summer. So, you know, by week two, we wanted to have a pretty good balance of what we wanted to get done, or I should say a, a good, um, foresight into what we wanted to get done prior to game one and then um you know as you approach christmas break which we called mid-season now we're really focused on what do we need to get vastly better at uh what are we good at you know that's something else to evaluate and maybe if we're really good at something uh, we can shave some time off of some of the things that we're doing to to work on those things uh and during the, the, that mid-season, especially during Christmas break, uh, we wanted to really hammer down and get better um, on things or make players better on things that they weren't very good at and, and move forward from there. Uh, you know, team offense, team defense, are we, you know, terrible rebounding or whatever it is, you know, and, and we wanted to be very specific and and uh, hammer those things down and get better at that midseason part. And then as we went into the uh, postseason, it's all about what do we have to do to advance? What do we got to do? You know, and maybe you're playing um, and you're in the running for a, con a conference championship. So all of those things, you know, maybe the goal, one of the goals for, for your team was uh, to finish in the top three, top four, whatever, you know. So all those things factor into that postseason um segment and we're just really now focusing our resources and our time on uh on those things that we think have to happen for us to advance or meet a goal so painted a picture early season mid-season post-season mm -hmm. different points of emphasis depending on what point in the year you are 
Love that. I think that's that's key. And then digging into the evaluation process of each practice, a lot of that also has to do with the position you're putting your assistance in. And I know that's something that other varsity coaches have struggled with is they have an assistant coach or maybe a couple assistant coaches. They respect them, but maybe they're not utilizing their time to the best of their abilities. They're just kind of there helping and they, and they want to help, but they could be more useful. You have a statement in here that I'm going to read. It says, typically our staff fills this form out directly after each practice. I found that has greatly benefited me in ascertaining information from our coaching staff as they bring a lot of information and scenarios that I would overlook. Boom. That is a huge statement for me. As I was looking through this whole thing, I read that and I was like, that's a, that's a money statement right there. Every coach wants to, to be better and they, in order to be better as a coach, as an individual, as a team, as, as a program, we have to be able to have great communication and understanding of what are some of the other eyes in the gym picking up that maybe I haven't seen and being open and honest in that line of communication. So tell me a little bit more about that. You have a rubric that you give out to your assistant coaches We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. And they also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles with one of the largest selections of trucks in the state. They are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin are truck country. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. And I can tell you firsthand from purchasing a couple different vehicles from Richardson Automotive, they are all about service. Stop in and see them today. They will get you right. They're keeping their eyes on, on practice. Yeah. How do you want to break this down? I mean, you even, you go detailed, like you have something down for warm up. You have something down for individual offensive skills, then team offense, same thing with defense, all these great nuggets. You know, where do you start? Well, I think the, the, the starting point for me was always um, if you're going to coach for me, you're going to coach. Um, I was very fortunate when I was young as, as an assistant coach. Um, I got put to work. Um, I was told what my responsibilities were. And, and, but more importantly, every uh, coach I worked for told me and showed me how he wanted things taught. And you know, your head coach's way is the right way. And so I carried that over into my career and I found out real fast when you let coaches coach and you're really specific in your teaching with them and you have a way of teaching everything that you want done that you've delegated to them, they're going to buy in pretty quick. And when you make some, and I don't care what industry you're in, if you're in coaching, marketing, whatever, if you make somebody feel valued, and you're very specific with them and you, and, and there's no gray area, you're going to get loyalty pretty quick. Um, they're going to buy in. And I've been very fortunate over my career. Um, I've had a lot of really good head coaches or good assistant coaches. And most of them have gone on to be head coaches now, but uh, so giving them something to do um, that's important, not just, um, you know, fluff work or whatever and then um you know letting them run with it um but as far as you know 
delegating things to the, anybody can delegate something to somebody, but I think, you know, specificity is important, but when it comes to their time for practice, I let them fill out their own practice plan, whether it's on a three by five note card, this is your time. And this is what you're going to do with the kids today. And I, I got a lot of mileage out of that. Uh, you know, people like that assistant coaches like having to go home and think about what they're going to do tomorrow. And the more opportunities you give them uh the the more time you give them and, and the other thing too that i think oftentimes gets overlooked the players figure out pretty darn quick that uh there's not one goofball on staff here you know there, there's nobody who's just standing over here drinking coffee or pop or whatever all these guys are, are working their tails off and the amount of respect they get from the kids especially when you have young assistants is I think vital, but you know, you, 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 you give them something to do. You tell them how you want it done and then you turn them loose. And, um, I would say the, the, the next best thing is practice ends and, um, you know, we get out of the shower and I've got that post-practice rubric and we, and I, I, I never want anybody to think that we sat around for two hours after practice and got that thing that that's, that's not how it happened. We, I, I talked, they're getting dressed. It's not like we're sitting around a table. I'm the only person sitting at a desk writing this stuff down and they're firing things back at me because I, I wanted them to get home to their wives. You know, I wanted them to get home, whatever. So I didn't want to keep them in an inordinate amount of time. But most of the stuff those guys gave me, as you alluded to, was, okay, that's not something I would have looked at. And by and large, they were always right. And, all, and what that did was that, helped me get home and plan the next day's practice. You're giving your coaches some ownership, which also sets them up, you know, when they're, when they're coaching, you mentioned you had a lot of coaches on your staff become head coaches and yep. you're setting them up for success later on. Cause a lot of coaches that are assistant coaches want to be in that, you know, first chair down the road. And you're getting this information that you, as you mentioned, you may have looked over and thirdly, everybody feels valued not only the coaching staff, but your players can tell that, tell that as well. When I'm looking through some of these sheets, I mean, you're specific in, you know, we're, we're, do we need to dedicate more time to certain points of emphasis offensively with individual players, you know, from uh, offensive side, you know, what drills do we need to use tomorrow uh, from a team offense side, you know, what needs to be reviewed or, you know, what, what do we need to dedicate more time through or certain points of, of emphasis. Yeah, it's, that's a lot, but it's really good stuff at the same time. How detailed do you get with your coaching staff on those conversations? Do you find that some of them are consistent or that they're always, you know, a new point emphasis after each practice or every week? We went in with uh, every day with two points of emphasis on offense and two points of emphasis defensively, especially in the uh, early part of the season. Once we got into um, postseason practice planning, when practice time had been cut down significantly, we had one uh, point of emphasis for offense, one for defense. But um, yeah, I, I like to think it was really specific. Um, you know, Matt Brighton or, uh, you know, Jimmy Richardson or Troy Opperman uh, looks at me and says, hey, <laughs> we gave up three offensive rebounds off of free throws today in practice during our scrimmage session. So, okay, well, that's something we need to work on tomorrow. 
So I, I think uh, specificity was something I was always good at, but that by and large came from having coaches who understood that uh, I, I'm not good with taking 5,000 things and breaking it down into 10 different categories. That, that's just not me. What I'm good at, what I think they learned was I'm really good at them saying, hey, this is what we need to work on. And uh, this is what I recommend we do to work on it. I can deal with that, you know, but. You've mentioned, you know, I think of if you ask somebody a detailed question, you're going to get a detailed answer. You ask somebody a, a vague question, you're probably just going to get a get a vague basic answer. And you know, you're specific in these things because there's some clarity that you want to have, which is going to allow you to be able to create something that's more specific to the needs of individual players, as well as the team as a whole that next yeah, day. Yeah. And, and to further your point, I agree hundred percent with you. Today's kid doesn't deal with vague. Well, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. The, the video, age, the video game aged kid deals really well with demographics. They deal really well with structure and they deal really well with, um, knowing exactly what is expected of them because when they get a new video game the first thing they do is they take the instructions out or they watch a video on youtube whatever and they find out every nuance about this game that, that they can and, and hence all those things translate over into into the way they live their lives hmm. so and there's like, so many kids that are visual visual learners right because of whether it's social media video games things of that nature and so to be able to paint some of these pictures uh, for, for the kids is really important as well as well as the type of instruction and the drills that you're using did you find that as the season progressed you know from early season mid-season post-season that how you went about you know teaching certain drills or, or breaking down aspects of the game did that generally change at all or was it pretty consistent um I was really lucky um, working for the coaches who I got to work with when I was young. And, I, and you know, I, I stole this from them. It's funny because two of them are in the Hall of Fame and they both uh, had a lot of the same philosophies, even though it was in uh, two different parts of the state, but never do the same drill two days in a row, ever. And never, you might work on the same thing, but put it in a different framework, give it a different name, whatever, whatever, but you never do the same drill two times in a row or worse, three times in a row, because kids figure out real fast that you haven't spent a lot of time on your practice plan. You're just plugging pieces in here. Um, so I, I ran with that and I still think it has value to this day. I think kids like variety. I think kids uh, get bored real easy as do adults. Uh, but when you mix things up and you put things in different um you know, drills, when we put them different alignments, you get, you give different rules. I do think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of value with today's type of kid in the game-based teaching. Matt McKay is probably the best I've ever heard talk about it. Uh, when you're doing the same basic things, but you're limiting how much time the kids stand on the baseline and listen to you. And I think kids are really good at learning on the fly, hence, you know, going back to the video game era. But, you know, to, to answer your question in simplest terms, I, I think you need to change things a lot to keep them interested. Uh, I thought that a 
if you had a team who you could make excited to come into practice, you might not have a, a stellar year, but you're still going to have a heck of a lot of fun coaching those guys. If they're enthusiastic coming into practice, my biggest fear in all the years I coached was walking into the gym after my assistant coaches start, got them warmed up, getting, we're getting them warmed up and they all look like zombies and were disinterested. Mm -hmm. I wanted my kids to be happy. I want them to be energetic. I want them to be vocal with each other. And, um, and I think those are prerequisites to having a great practice because I think it all starts off with like Don Meyer used to say, be a practice team, be a practice player first. Mm -hmm. You know, just the aspect as a coach of continuing to learn, right? Maybe there's a specific thing that, you know, every single year we're going to work on this aspect of our team defense but you're not always plugging in the same drill. You're figuring out new ways so the kids can work on the same thing, but keep it fresh. I think that's huge. We, during the, throughout the off season, especially as coaches, we challenge our players to get better. We ask them, what are the specific things, right? What's your player development plan for the off season? How are you going to get better? And we need to do the same thing as coaches. Look, look, at, look in the mirror and say, how are we going to get better this off season? How are we going to grow? And some of that may be as simple as, yeah, we're still going to teach our basic fundamentals offensively and defensively and run our system, but can we find different tweaks that we can make to make it more engaging to our kids? I think that's, that's absolutely huge. And I think that the things that you're providing with for coaches with some of the resources you offer only make it easier because of the clarity that, that you're providing. So as we finish out the, the podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you're helping coaches through some of the resources that you offer? Yeah, the, the resources we've used for years. Um, when uh, I first started coaching as a head coach, um, I had a planning period during the school day that was just strictly called um, head basketball coach planning period because the administrators at that time didn't want their head football and head basketball coach going home and spending uh, their entire evening, um, you know, why started in front of a typewriter or in front of a computer making a practice and watching film, yada, 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 doing all these things and, and, and losing uh, time with their families. So, you know, with block scheduling, uh, the advent of block, block scheduling or open concept, whichever, you know, era we were in, that gave me an hour and 45 minutes every day to, to work on stuff so I could go home. And my wife and I actually, even during basketball season, had a TV routine that, that we adhered to. Uh, and then when, when, when we lost that, now all of a sudden I found um, we're chasing our, each other's tails because I've just lost an hour and 45 minutes every day to get a lot of this stuff done. So basically, we busted it up into a series of rubrics where we could get things done, be, be on the same page, accomplish all the things. I could delegate these things to my assistants, blah, blah, blah. And they just seemed to keep us all together. And um, hence why we call them, um, you know, organizational tools or whatever. But basically, in the long run, uh, they saved us time without taking shortcuts. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's no, there's no shortcuts at all, but it is saving, it is saving time. And there's a, there's a big difference there. I mean, you have some resources with, you know, a, a postseason checklist, helping players with their individual development plans, 
you know, summer planning, which, which is really important for coaches, especially at this point in the year, making sure that they're, they're checking those boxes. They're knocking things out as they're progressing through the summer, staying ahead of things. Uh, and, and so, and so many more resources, one you, uh, about scrimmages, like just some of the boxes. Oh yeah. You got to make sure, you know, we're, we're have the towels. We have the, the camera, all the things that you need to, that can sometimes slip in the cracks. So, uh, coach, you're providing some, some awesome resources, I know I'm going to use uh, plenty of these things myself, uh, coaching, and you know, I'll be sure to put the link for some of that if, if any of our listeners are interested in some of Coach's resources, how he helps out uh, and continues to serve coaches through some of the coaching aids that he provides. You can check that out at the link below. There's a handful of them that are really, really effective. Uh, this has been good, Coach. Uh, we'll have to have you back, uh, back again sometime. Thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. I sure appreciate the invite. And, uh to give you a little bit of, uh, of some of the things I've heard. I know uh, you were out at Delta last summer and mm-hmm. um, the kids uh, had told me that they, that they thought it was outstanding, that you'd done a great job and as did the coaches. So I wanted to make sure I told you that. Well, I certainly, certainly appreciate that. We, uh, you know, you've, you've coached Matt up well, I know that. And uh, you know, boys and girls side, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, Delta Delta basketball and what they're looking like over the over the coming years, no doubt about it. Great great program and a great coaching staff as well. So uh, to our coaches out there, thank you guys for listening. Again, you can get a hold of Coach Sheridan. I'll put his contact information in the description below. Uh, if there's anything that we can do for you, please let us know. And as always, get after it today.